Welcome back to Post Show Recaps, coverage of The Crown. My name is Grace. I'm here with my co-host, Shannon. Shannon, how are you doing? I am doing great. Less you horrible. Were, Sorry, I'm, I don't have another word. Just, <laughs> horrible. It's a different episode, but like, I feel like the words that I would use, the keywords of this episode are too awkward for me to yeah. bring up in the intro, so I'm going back to horrible. You wore your revenge dress. That's good. Yes. It, yeah, yeah, I'm wearing a Hamilton t-shirt. But sure, this is, <laughs> this is the best that I can do from a revenge dress perspective. I hope I say more than Diana does in this podcast and she did in the episode. Not one word spoken from Diana. Is yep, it a half- payment thing from the actress? Like, is that what I don't, they all have, I think, other stuff to do, uh, Shannon. They're like, She's uh, there. finally, Dominic. Yeah, that's true. She is there. Uh, I did get some feedback from the great Sam Moore, who said, I'm really loving the season, but Diana's too tall. Uh, <laughs> that's what well, feedback was. <laughs> well, you know what? Let Diana be as tall as she her her height reflects her stature as a cultural icon. That's what yeah, it is. It's, it's a metaphor. Yeah, I like agree. everything. What are you gonna do? It's the perfect actress to play Diana. You, you can't like make her look shorter. You know, it's fine. It's yeah. just fine. Make yourself um, shorter for this role. How would <laughs> just 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 hunch a bit? Well, uh, all the time. I did ask our guests if you could make yourself seem shorter. Uh, we are not alone. We are joined today by the wonderful Lindsay Wilson. Lindsay, how are you doing? It's doing great. It's nice not just to be an ornament stuck in a waiting room gathering dust. Mm-hmm. I'm here <laughs> with actual opinions. Mm-hmm. Also, re- real Diana is like 5'10". What is everyone complaining about? Yeah, I don't know. But Elizabeth Debicki is much <laughs> even taller than that. Uh, everyone, yes, still. everyone equals <laughs> Sam Moore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fair. yeah, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Get over my it. Own, this is what he said. My one real crown take that is very important. Elizabeth Debicki is too tall and is throwing me off uh, how she towers over literally everyone and everyone is in exclamation. <laughs> Metaphor. Metaphor yeah. for society. Yeah. I like that. Um, before we get into, I want to hear your takes on, on the crown so far, uh, the season, season five, as well as, uh, the four seasons prior. Uh, but first I just want to remind folks, postrecaps.com slash the crown, uh, please subscribe to the podcast feed rate and review. All of that is much appreciated. Um, as, as we're just about halfway, uh, halfway through and we have the way ahead for five more episodes, uh, Shannon. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, the way forward, I think it was. <laughs> I know that there was, that yeah, was, that's that was like a sticking yeah. point. It was a Navy thing or something, but yeah. yeah. Philip um, really attached to some things in this episode. Not, not a great Philip episode. Well, I mean, yeah. I yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but Lindsay, uh, we're, we're going to talk about the way ahead, but give us your, your crown takes uh, seasons one through four and, and the first four episodes of season five. Yes. So I think I was kind of late. Yeah, I was definitely late to the crown, which I shouldn't say kind of. I came into it, I think, around this time last year, maybe, and knocked them all out very quickly. And also do the same thing that you two do, sit down mm-hmm. with my Wikipedia, go through everyone. But I have no problems with watching a whole bunch of them all in a row and doing all of the associated research. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and and listening to YouTube back talking about seasons one to four, it was so much fun because I was remembering all those moments that had sort of blended together in watching it so fast and I was just remembering how good those seasons really were um really loving this season I have already watched the whole thing but I really enjoyed yeah. going back to it for this uh, I think it's so good I think Elizabeth Dubecki Dubecki yeah Vicky yeah. she's so captivating and so tall. engaging as Diana yeah. I'm loving her she's yeah. so tall she's yeah. so statuesque her charisma <laughs> is, at the, is at the height of her own actual height Yes, incredible. Yeah, no, I'm loving it so much. I'm really liking everything about it. And um, everything I know about Princess Diana pretty much is from the You're Wrong About series about Diana. I've listened to that like four times. It's so good. Uh, And so there's been a lot of like comparing and contrasting with what I've learned with what they're showing on the 
this season. Fun. Um, Shane, let's talk about the way ahead. I do think it's very funny that the episode, there's a, a lot of like uh, Charles being like the English language is most important when there has been a whole episode about like him specifically learning Welsh. And, and, yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, I was like, did you forget about your Welsh t- tutor? Because Shannon's going to be very mad uh, that you're, uh, d- uh, you know, disparaging yeah, him. It was the best episode of season three. Yeah. It's not close. Well, maybe. I really love that episode. Um, so, I mean, I, I think, uh, potentially one of the things is like, yeah, last episode was like Margaret and then it loops, uh, Elizabeth back at the beginning and the end and she makes the speech, but this one really, this is a big, like Charles, uh, uh, episode. Uh, what'd you think of the way ahead, Shannon? I thought it was a really interesting episode. I, there was something about it and I couldn't work out what it was. And then last night as I was trying to fall asleep, I was like, you know what? It was the pacing was very interesting to me. It was about the fact that firstly, as I said, Diana does not say one word, but she's in so many of the scenes, you know, she's Mm -hmm. reacting to that. Obviously they tell Elizabeth they're going to separate. She reacts to that announcement. She reacts to the call. She reacts to the documentary. She's in the revenge dress, which is a big part of the episode, but she doesn't speak at all. And I think that that kind of reaction at large created a really interesting structure for me where the crescendo came in the documentary, but for me, that kind of fell a little flat because like, oh my God, I, I know it caused a stir at the time. Like he's admitted to committing adultery, but we just saw the leak call. So like how much of a surprise can that have really been to people? So that's the big crescendo. And we don't get like the classic crown confrontation scene, which I know they can't use as like this, you know, narrative style in every episode. I myself am partial to a good confrontation scene, but that's not where it goes. Probably get the closest to that with Philip. It's more like these muted reactions, you know, Diana is silent. Andrew kind of silently reacts to like the humiliation that he's had and then he like silently leaves even Elizabeth doesn't confront Charles like she kind of has these more muted response to this power struggle that's happening so I think in that it drives a story forward in really interesting ways and it's very much like we're following this very like actually dramatic story but I think the fact that they kind of keep it simmering knowing that things are going to like explode later on and Diana is very much going to find her voice in story elements I'm sure coming up I think that was like an interesting narrative choice for it yeah I think the thing for me is like as this episode comes back and it's really a Charles uh episode is I said this about the last episode that it, it feels like once when they center the spotlight on somebody nobody else uh everybody else sort of gets like cut a fair bit like they're not they're really side characters. in it but I do think like to your point like Diana is in this episode but I think that's really intentional for it to not be Charles and Diana's story it's to uh, let us see Charles' point of view before inevitably, as you're saying, like Diana's going to find her voice and sort of, I, I, I presume uh, Lindsay knows this already, but we'll have a much more Diana-centric yeah. uh, episode before the end of the season. Um, what do you, you think of this one, Lindsay? Yeah, I completely agree with everything Shannon just said. I also have the same thing written down of it's so interesting structurally to get these big chunks of things that are happening to Charles and then just cut to Diana's reaction without her actually getting to have a say in what's going on you don't get to hear her reaction you're just seeing it it's all in how it's being acted on her face and in her body language and all of that and I think it's so yeah it's just so compelling to see it because it is a way of keeping her in the story and it forces you to keep thinking like oh how is this going to impact Diana like it, it just keeps reminding you of like this isn't just contained to what Charles and Camilla are experiencing this is having repercussions and we're not just not feeling the full force of those yet. We're just getting little glimpses of them scattered throughout the episode. But I also agree that it kind of takes away some of the heft of it that you don't actually get mm. that confrontation. It just, you know, we get a little glimpse of her and it's like, oh, look, she's in her dress. Isn't she pretty? <laughs> she's upstaged him. So uh, yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely, I think needs that final confrontation. I don't know. There's a way in which um, 
this is like this is a, a very much like a the crown episode in terms of mm-hmm. uh this is a point that one of our listeners i believe spencer wrote in and was talking we we were i was i think the discussion you and i were having shannon was like kind of something about harry and megan and will and, and his point was like well it's the show is about like the people who are like the heir to the to the throne the crown and not that it's not mm-hmm. about those other people but i think that what this episode actually to 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 put diana sort of in the background is like the way that the the family is like like treats her as well mm. that very much like it doesn't really matter what she's uh doing like she's sort of like she is silenced uh, uh in a way mm-hmm. by like the system and so to to choose to for this to really be like charles point of view what's happening to charles him like you know complaining uh, uh at parties and still upset that you know of everything that's that's happening like his position in in the system uh in, in the in the family you no, know, he gets like scolded uh, in front of uh, a bunch of people by his like father, despite being uh, the heir. Uh, I actually think that the, in some ways, I actually kind of like like the decision uh, to, to for that to have like it's a it's an interesting editorial choice, basically, mm-hmm. to have Diana be silenced because that is um, the way that the family treats her. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's definitely a choice. Like they're really making a decision by having a character like Diana not say one word. Cause at a certain point she could like, she could say something. And I, I'm like, it was only like three quarters through. I'm like, has Diana actually spoken this episode? And then only going through it again, I needed to make sure she doesn't say a word. Like, I think that everything you've said about it, both of you make sense for why they'd make that editorial choice. I also think that it could show kind of being like voiceless in a situation again she won't be forever and she hasn't even been before but like specifically in like these types of situations where things are being said about her own marriage or she's being like kind of a character in a story that she's not a part of like when the tapes leak like it's about her but she's not a part of that conversation so like by making her voiceless it might show kind of the lack of control that she's had and even being put in predicaments like this and I also think it it shows her ironically as being kind of ornamental which is a word Mm -hmm. that Charles uses but even from like the adoring public, it's like, wow, Diana really made her mark. She wore a dress, you know, and parts of that are like, Uh I guess kind of powerful, but other parts are like, well, you see her as this kind of character in a story who would have a reaction to something you read into things that she is doing. And it's not even in her having necessarily at least vocal agency. It's how we perceive her to be as this, like, again, like too tall, but statuesque kind of like (laughs) perfect figure. And even if that's idealistic, like that can be, that can be a negative thing. The way it's like, wow, Diana like really made a statement but again by by wearing something. Um, that in its own way can be a little bit minimizing, dismissive, and derogatory. In that it's it, not not that they're trying to do that, but it's like you're just again this, this ornamental thing. So I think by taking away her voice in that, I'm sure it'll mean it explodes a lot more later on, and there is that simmer. But I think just in the context of that, it can show a lack of power and also a lack of just the way that she's regarded um in, in the public by being just yet yeah, more more of a a, a figure an ornamental figure than someone who would have that voice yeah it's interesting too like i remember hearing at one point like prior to her death there was a bit of commentary of like how rarely people had actually heard her speak in comparison to what an outsized figure she was in terms of the media mm. and so it's like everybody knows who wow. she is everybody knows what she looks like everybody exactly. knows what she represents but nobody actually knows what her voice sounds like and so that i think is powerful symbolically too I yeah, think, the, yeah, I think yeah. that there's like it's like the Diana haircut, the Diana dress. You know, mm-hmm. so much of that is just how we the beanie see her, baby, not how we hear her. Like, yeah, yeah the, the Tamagotchi. <laughs> um, yeah, so much of that is how she's perceived in that way. So it, it, I think it, it is in this one context, like a commentary of the way she was perceived that way. 
I agree. I feel like uh, uh, now that I've watched a bunch of media with her in it, I'm like, you know, when, when Elizabeth Debicki and uh, Emma Corrin last season are like doing the Diana voice, I'm like, oh, that's the Diana voice. But I didn't really know the Diana voice like growing up. Like, she was, <laughs> she is sort of this like, I feel like she does have like a way, she's not like, she's not like Margaret, like was like in the Helen Bottom Carter Margaret of like being at the party and being lavish. She's like much more like subdued, like mm -hmm. like head down. Like she gives off being shy while also being a bit like uh like i was gonna say cheeky i don't know if i'm allowed to say cheeky uh <laughs> when she's like with the lifeguards last season right like she's being yeah. she's like like she she knows how to entertain but also it like it whether it, it doesn't always look like it's like a natural thing for her to be doing although somehow that is very natural i don't know if that makes sense at all but she just sort of has this demeanor of like she's not the commanding person and that's also i think part of uh like my remembrance of diana as well in terms of the end of her is that like she was so like like swallowed in media attention as well um that like th there's that image of her too of being like i think the shy like not wanting to mm. she, she's not trying to get attention i think a lot of the, like she it's not like she i don't know she's not doing these outlandish things to get attention certainly she talks about in last season when when is it uh is it the tour and and elizabeth like condemned she's like well yeah of course it felt good to be like cheered like mm -hmm. why wouldn't that be you know like i don't get it from any of you i don't get any love from you so of course i do so she's like this very interesting figure where it doesn't feel like she's always like being like look at me come look at me uh although she is wearing like a revenge dress in this episode to be kind of like mm -hmm. look at me uh i don't know very complicated but she hadn't figure. worn that dress until like push came to shove basically right. i think like diana yeah. as well like she is a contradiction and that's because yeah. everyone puts onto her what they want to, right. like as a society, because she's such this, this like larger than life figure. Even even if she's not a larger than life character, like she will be again like the young kind of like ingenue that you know people really put that. Then like like a maternal stuff that they put onto the way that she was a mother, the way she cared about people. She was also seen as like more modern and progressive. Like I feel like when you're such a major like person in society people don't really know you. So they'll just kind of put onto you whatever they want to. And by making her silent in this episode, there, there probably is stuff that comes out of it because it's like, Diana really had her say with the dress. Like when we see kind of the internal stuff, but we also just have to imagine how that felt without hearing it from her. And I think that mm -hmm. that probably does address how society was doing that when she was like one of the most famous people in the world. And then the way that people perceived her really led to her death because there was so much intrigue around like how she, how she would be without us ever really knowing. So yeah, I mean, it must've been an interesting editorial choice if we can talk about it for this <laughs> yeah. lens. But I wanted to I say know. as well, like yeah. ironically lack of voice, but the voice acting in this show is so good. Like we're hearing from Charles on the phone. I'm like, that could be Josh O'Connor. Like that's really the through line for me is like how well they all, even like Elizabeth, like the, obviously the writing and stuff, but like the voice acting is so good. So, so I presume- Unfortunately, I, we didn't get that from Diana. <laughs> I, do, I do presume that the phone audio is Josh O'Connor. Is that not right? Is that, am I wrong? Oh, because I'm like, wow, that looks that sounds like Josh O'Connor. Why would it be? We see him talking, like we see yeah. this version of Charles talking. Oh, that's yeah, just how yeah. I think that that's just how similar it is. That's what I was, that, that that you even thought it was Josh O'Connor. It shows that exactly. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> wow, that sounds like Josh O'Connor. I don't think it was. I didn't see anything about in like on Wikipedia about him like reprising yeah. the role. And also, it'd be surprising for them to switch. Ago. 
yeah. And he's like, we see like like him talking on the phone. So it's not like it was like yeah, yeah, yeah. Ago. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Uh, um, let me give. I uh, we we we've jumped into this, but let me give a brief recap just uh, just as we get started. Uh, so we we see the princess, uh, Char Prince Charles and, and Princess Diana. They formally separate. Uh, they let the queen know um, that they cannot resolve the differences because they're going to separate. Um, and then a tabloid newspaper publishes transcripts of an intimate telephone conversation between Charles and Camilla three years earlier. Um, uh, an informal group of advisors starts meeting regularly to talk about how to improve the monarchy's image. Um, and uh, it's basically run by, by Prince Philip uh, and really uh, none of the big issues that Charles would want to talk about, uh, like Queen Victoria syndrome, uh, are, are discussed at all. Uh, to improve his image, Charles does appear in a documentary, Charles the Private Man, The Public Role, um, and uh, Diana and Camilla are both faced with increased press attention. Uh, Diana wears the revenge dress, uh, and Princess Anne goes uh, for lunch with uh, Charles. Uh, uh, she does not eat the... I guess she does eventually eat the asparagus. So <laughs> from the garden. Um, going in the garden, yeah. Um, and uh, she comes back saying that uh, actually the scandal has not broke him. Uh, Charles is stronger than ever, um, and he's setting up an advisors to work on a progressive uh, agenda to counter the way ahead group uh this is the prince's trust uh which helps disadvantaged youth across the country uh that's right i think hilarious that they're like yeah he's like setting up his own shop and then he we all know that he just has to wait 30 more years <laughs> yeah, exactly right. this poor this poor man uh we are notorious we we are slight uh charles apologists uh on this, yeah on this podcast Lindsay, uh Lindsay, where do you where do you sit you yeah if you want to bow out yeah. I have the exact same note written of like, it's wild to think that like throughout this whole season already, he's like, I mean, any minute now, I'm probably going to take over. And it's like another it's so 30 funny. years. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. when he's in his 20s, I feel like through season three, when they're like, when you're sovereign. And as I, at the time I was watching that, he still wasn't even sovereign then. And it really mm -hmm. changed my perspective on, on things. But I'm, I was, why does Charles think that he should be, that he would be king now? Like for sure it makes sense. Like, decades later like the queen does because like she stays on the throne like for historic periods and she does live like to a very very late age but at this point like he's only in his 40s and the queen is in her 60s like mm -hmm. she probably wouldn't have died by now like why is he like why aren't i king yet like it would be highly likely you wouldn't be king yet i guess they set it up the whole time like you're gonna be king like they might have been scarred from the fact that elizabeth had the opposite where she like had the shock where they thought they were gonna have decades with her not being the sovereign and then she had to do it in her 20s but it feels like they kind of overcompensated to the point where he's like, I should really be the king now. It's like, but most people would have lived to their mid sixties and that the queen is only in her mid sixties. Like, why would you think that she would be dead or step down at this point? That she could die any day. That's the yeah, to be ready. It feels like he wants it. Yeah. yeah. Why would you die? Like, yeah. He definitely wants her to abdicate. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, we, I did, I did, I kept joking that like, wow, uh, Dominic West really took some time off and has not been in the show. So he does get like this full, uh, mm. this full episode, including coming back to play, uh, yeah, this like a uh, wild, uh, uh, phone conversation with Camilla, um, that I don't think I ever need to hear again. I don't know that I need, I, need any, <laughs> I don't think I need any of it replayed. I, don't, I think this is when I might like, I might fast forward this scene on a rewatch. Shannon. <laughs> It's extremely cringe, but like Lindsay, I don't know where you sit on the whole Charles apologist thing, the Grace and I have, but how could you not have the most extreme sympathy for Charles through this episode? I mean, that was that's my ultimate take. And I like that the show actually portrayed that, like that Anne mm -hmm. gives voice to that, because like a crime is committed against them. It's such a horrible thing um, that they have this intimate conversation, which is it's a strange conversation for sure. But at the end of the day, like if you actually look at the conversation, 
it's clear like how comfortable they are with each other. Mm-hmm. They clearly love each other so much. It starts with him asking her opinion on the speech. Like he sees her as very much like an intellectual equal. He has so much respect for her. Like the, the great love of Charles and Camilla, I think really comes through in this episode, let alone the fact that they like help each other through this trauma that they're experiencing, this public trauma. Like when they put their arms around each other, when they're walking, I was like, this is a very sweet thing. Like the fact that they find their way to each other after everything is something that, I, yeah, I'll kind of always back and especially through themes this episode. So yeah, I mean, the fact, I think that what happened to them might face more backlash today in that like a private conversation is intercepted, leaked. It's a crime. And and I think that when we see like flashes to Andrew, pointed flashes in, in the boardroom, it reminds you like, how much worse it could be than two consenting adults who, yes, are committing adultery, but like two consenting adults having a private conversation on the phone. And I just felt terrible for Charles and Camilla through this whole episode. Yeah, I thought this was so well done, too, where I agree. I think they've done a really good job of conveying that, like, this is a love story of people who have been in love for, like, 60 years. And in particular, I think it's funny how they're like, like, this was such an embarrassing moment in the 90s and, like, with good reason. But I do agree, Shannon. I think that if this happened now, people would be pretty upset about this, especially given, I mean, they frame it here as oh, this was just a, an amateur radio guy who stumbled on the phone call by accident. I do find that very hard to believe, given how much we know about phone tapping, especially in the UK. Like, th- this has happened repeatedly. Like, we know this does happen. And also just, I mean, really, if anyone's phone calls <laughs> where they're having, like, sexy talk with their partner, it's going to be embarrassing no matter who you are. And yes. so, and Charles even, you know, taps on it where he's like, the hypocrisy of this like no one would sound any better obviously what he said is super embarrassing but like everyone would have an embarrassing conversation no one would want this to happen to them and I also agree Shannon I had it flagged as well when they put their arms around each other like that's a really beautiful moment of just supporting each other and I think it's really wonderful that it's like yeah and he called her to ask about a speech not to be like hey you up like he's calling for this conversation with his partner and just the fact that they're not you know formally together does not change the fact that at this point they've been in a relationship for a very long time and this is a true partnership yeah I think it's yeah it's a really good point about like if this tape is released now and it doesn't matter who who it is but also there's so much more to the to the tape like people mm-hmm. you know dissect and take the part that's like look at the naughty stuff that they're saying to each other yeah. when like there's this whole exchange of them like not wanting to hang up on each other yeah. right like it's like totally like school you know high school like you know talking to your crush on the phone be like, no you hang up no you hang up you know and they just keep saying it not wanting to hang up that's like very sweet and there's so much more to the tape than just like yeah they're a bit like you know flirting more, more than flirting um but yeah these are people who are soulmates i think um yeah and yeah yeah i think that the crown backs up the belief i've always had which is that like charles and camilla's love was a love worth fighting for unfortunately Mm -hmm. it also became a love that they hurt a lot of people for um but i think when you see something like this they stick by each other through a lot this is just like probably the tip of the iceberg we've seen it you know of, of what they've had to go through to end up together and it is as tragic as it is on the rest of the side there are huge parts of this relationship that are a great love story um it has to be because there's there's so much in their relationship that would break most other couples like it is a soulmate level relationship and I think we see that and I think when we see the intrusion of this being leaked um 
it's it's an ongoing theme. I mean, obviously Diana's going to die for the fact that people are trying to in- intrude on her. Even last episode mm-hmm. when we're kind of joking about, you know, Andrew's talking about the, the photos of Sarah. Like, it, it is, it's a crime. I, just, I think that like society has evolved to the point where we're aware now, like obviously Megan's been through it. Like we're not entitled to these extremely intimate moments from public figures. And it, it feels like it should kind of be in the public domain because they're important to the world, but it's not. It's actually like an intrusion on these individual people. So I think, yes, we've we've come a long ways in society. And I think that that viewpoint was given in the episode and it also sheds light on other things like we saw from last episode as we're going to see with Diana on like how wrong this is and how they are victims of these crimes. Yeah, I hope that that Diana like not being in this episode. I mean, she is because like they they do show her like her reacting to the phone conversation. I feel like um, so much of like my you know memory and thinking of it, like Diana is such a like beloved figure that it's really easy to then just like paint Charles as the as the bad uh, you know idiot. Mm-hmm. So I also want and to in many ways he is he is <laughs> bad. There are things that he did that are uh, that are not good that are bad. Mm-hmm. But it's the easiest, nar- like it's the easiest narrative for like media to tell, which is uh, like young, lovely princess who, uh, you know, uh, and then and then evil, evil prince, right? Uh, is like the story that they wanted to tell. Who's like cheating? So, like I feel like uh, t- to a degree, like I I never really knew that like Diana had cheated. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the relationship as as well. And I, I'm not like, I don't think that that's, you know, a, a bad thing that she uh, did that per se. I'm not like casting any blame or doubts uh, or whatever on, on Diana, you know, finding her own way to like be loved, uh, you know, while she's in this like loveless marriage. Um, but she did that as, you know, they, so they, you know, yeah, I'm like really trying to like, it's going to make this sound like I'm like, they're both equally bad. <laughs> it's like, I'm not saying that. I'm not uh, just like, yeah, this is the, I think that they're, yeah, it's like, this is like a tragedy that like Charles and, and Camilla have this like, you know, love story that is like, they can't, and then it gets like exposed. Uh, and the whole thing being like tampon gate is so, it's mm-hmm. a, you know, it's like, you know, that like, that's the thing that's like the, the, the headline that they pull of like, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, but at the Whereas same time, I, she's like, love. It's easier to love you than like to fall off a chair. It's like, oh, that's kind of cute. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, like <laughs> even the tampon thing. Like he was being self-deprecating. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it was kind of funny. He says, he "God forbid, like, I'd be a tampon." Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, that would be me. Classic me. Like the the yeah. tampons of the royal family. Like it's so it's super cringe. But like he's you know he's making a joke at his own expense. Like I think that's funny. I mean, I think with Diana. She did cheat, but the way that we get the narrative and what seems to be true was like she was at that point just like completely pushed out of the relationship. Sure. And there was nothing there. And like it was very much a reaction. Like I've always seen it as obviously their like co-victim status from the crown and the system. And that's always been my, you know, my sympathy for Charles more than like, well, Diana was also bad to him. Like that seems like that yeah, probably no, wasn't the case. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I mean, like she, like she is like forced into positions and as we've seen in season four, like seems to like keep trying um so i feel like yeah there's like the hurt of the crown to both of them and then like charles pushes that more onto her but we've always seen him as a victim of the system and like it's really tragic from like a camilla perspective i do think there's a part of the like why he was such a laughing stock of this too where it's like and he acknowledged periods are a thing yeah like, true yeah as a man as well like, <laughs> yeah, in the true. 90s especially like let's not even talk well, about it it's i, I do, mean it's yeah. super, super cringe it is but like 
Yeah, so I think that that just like varies it a little bit of yeah. the fact that like listening back, I was like, this is funny of him being like yeah. just like swirling around and can't be flushed down or whatever. Yeah. I was like, that's funny. It's not that yeah. long that I feel. Yeah, it has been like you know people like we could tie we could just say tampons or I think <laughs> you, yeah. know, you know and then embarrassing you know uh, mm-hmm. I do love everybody like in the like uh, the way that again sometimes the show just gets like Peter Morgan gets stuff just like handed to him of like here you get to do this which is film the scenes of everybody reacting to mm-hmm. the, the, the newspaper article of the sex tape including <laughs> his own dad uh, uh we get a both an Anne and margaret like reaction of just like oh, oh interesting <laughs> um I, this is a really good Anne episode uh mm-hmm. we really haven't seen much from Anne. she's in episode one where she's like oh who's that down there and then it turns out she's gonna marry that guy um and we get the scene last episode with uh with margaret but what'd you think of uh ann's been was, was one of my favorites in season three and season four that was like you know even a better on a rewatch so um how do you how, what do you make of this uh this Anne, uh shannon I love her relationship with Charles. I love that it was spotlighted here because we saw it more, obviously, with the old cast. Even though, like, he's she's very much always been like his person and confidant, but he like he would like someone who was a little softer. I think like his 100%. person is still very harsh, and he's like said that at times as well. Like he'd love a little bit more kind of that softer love because he has very little else. I thought this was a really interesting episode because he and Anne should be really united on their ideals, like. He even says, like, it, it cuts to her when he says, like, you know, he's, like, fighting basically for women in the crown and that, like, the, the daughters aren't ruled out of being, like, first in line, which is something I think they've since changed. Um, and she is, like, kind of beautifully angry on his behalf. Like, she, you can see, like, clearly indignant for him. She supports him through that. She kind of also jokes about it, but is, like, it's so hypocritical and that's a great thing. I was just a bit surprised about some of the lack of loyalty that she would go back to her parents and give that information on Charles, even though she is kind of supporting him, even though she's being positive about him and saying like, he's doing something kind of cool. Um, it's, it's a little bit of a lapse in trust. I would think that he wouldn't expect her to go back with that. And I kind of wish that she had been just like a clearer ally to him, especially because, I mean, it feels like they should be aligned. It seems a little hypocritical that she would say to him, like, we close rank behind the sovereign. I'm like, but didn't you defy her last episode? Like, aren't we aligned on the fact that, that like, this is outdated, that we're done being put in these positions and we're together on that. So then she like takes it back and it yeah. seems that she seems really angry at the betrayal that he's like really making a power struggle with the queen. And that probably is a bridge too far. And that's probably the one thing I disagree with the Charles in this episode is like really coming against her in this like kind of power war. But I still think she took it a little far to go back to them with that information. Yeah, Lindsay, I think it's interesting. Like uh, like it, to, to defend Anne a little bit, I feel like Anne her like thing here is like, we'll, like we'll fix it from the inside a little bit, which is like mm-hmm. very naive uh, of anybody in the Royal family to be like, if we just talk about it, that'll be, that'll solve it. Uh, Cause she's kind of like coming back and being like, Hey, he's actually like, I think he's actually going to make like a really good King. It's like, <laughs> essentially what she's saying to like the rest of them. They're all like, I don't know about that. Uh, which is like just enlightening in itself that they're all like, I don't know if Charles is going to make a good King, but like, what are you going to do about it? Like, oops, <laughs> guess we can't talk to him or like fix it or like show him love. I guess that's it. Huh? <laughs> um, so I don't, yeah. And, 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 is divorced and getting married like she to the point of like last episode where margaret's like why why is it how is it different like i don't know it it is different now Anne has like got to she has divorced has almost said got to uh that's not the right thing that she's like was given person she divorces her her husband and now she's gonna marry this man that she's in love with and so um you know i think it's like a little bit uh, maybe hypocritical for like to think that like you know 
okay, let's just, like it's her the Charles situation isn't the same because he is like the heir and she is she is not. Um, but I think she thinks that it like she's kind of in if that in a way that Charles is more out than than Anne is uh, specifically. So when she comes back, I feel like she she does think she's like speaking on behalf. But I can see how you're like. You can just cut that to yourself because you just let him do it. Just let him go do it over there. Let somebody mm. else. Somebody else will 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 spill the beans. Uh, uh, what do you think of this uh, episode for Anne, Lindsay? Yeah, I agree that I think it is slightly complicated. Or it definitely was a really strong episode for her. I love her coming in and like repeatedly throughout the episode. She's like, "I brought you cold medicine. It's full of chemicals." Like she's just gonna. <laughs> she's very funny and charming through the whole thing. And at the end, I did think it was interesting how she's like, "We close ranks behind the sovereign," and it's clearly drawing that line in the sand and it also just is is sort of a funny framing to me too how she's praising him but very much like you know how we always talk about how he's clearly not ready for this and he's super weak and terrible like he's actually not as much of those things as we thought <laughs> yeah for real <laughs> yeah yeah so, so yeah, so yeah. I don't know. I, it doesn't totally surprise me that she came back being like i'm gonna sort of tattle on what's going on here but also yeah, I agree, Shannon. I think it would have been nice to see that he, he actually has someone that he can turn to and trust in those moments. I guess that person is Camilla the most, you know, like, and I, and I do love yeah. his relationship with Anne. I don't really want to put that down, but Camilla is the person who will stand by him no matter what, clearly, mm-hmm. and who is, like, so mad on his behalf in terms of, like, what happened with Philip. And they, like, just, it shows how imperative that support system was because he doesn't have, like, another perfect person. Like, he's kind of, as they might say, a little bit too weak for the kind of love that Anne would deliver. So it really does mm-hmm. fall on, like, Camilla to be that perfect support. But it is funny, yeah, how they look at him as this, like, crazy madman. When, like, let's be honest, in terms of being a child's apologist again, and this is really the episode for it, <laughs> not a lot to disagree on with what Charles is doing. It's kind of upsetting that it's seen as so radical and political that he's basically like, let's help the less fortunate. And they're like, don't be such, like, don't, like, cause so much chaos. He's like, let's use our, like, enormous privilege and wealth to, like, help things like the environment, like, ridiculously before his time on some of these things. Mm-hmm. Help disadvantaged youth. Um, help, you know, gender equality. And, like, he's t- totally right that the the Crown, even trying to, to push these things is, like, laughably outdated. Um, he's trying to make, like, real change. He's trying, like... He's actually wrong in terms of the crown. Like, I think a lot about what Elizabeth is saying later about the crown is actually correct in terms of the crown. But as we've said, like, the crown is a super flawed system. So he's right, objectively, like, in life. And it's seen as this, like, really audacious thing where I don't think you'd find a lot of, like, modern viewers who would disagree that, like, yeah, if the crown were really using their power to help people, that would have been, like, a better use for that. And that might also help, like, that a lot of the complaints even politically in the in the season have been oh, they just take taxpayers' money and, like, it's all been so, you know, compared to, like, Elizabeth and Philip who are like, give me money for my castle, give me money for my yacht. And he's like, let's use money to help people and then puts his money where his mouth is. And as we've seen, it has actually helped lots and lots of people through the prince's trust. It's really hard to disagree in the in the debate of, like, progression and them being so stagnant. You're on his side about, like, how helpful the ground can be. Yeah, I mean, stagnant, uh, Lindsay, uh, you know, the queen will say, like, uh, Charles wants to be more animated, uh, even though the crown is is inanimate. Um, we're, mm-hmm. just a, we're just a symbol, um, which, gosh, feels like, uh, Shannon, if you're watching the show, of like, like, maybe she'll soften. <laughs> like the, Elizabeth <laughs> and Philip have not a great episode, this episode. Uh, we're talking about, like, their edit. Uh, this was she does consider it more than Philip does. does, at least. Philip really she takes does. the brunt of, 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 yeah, kind of my anger towards him as a couple right now. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how are you finding like, yeah, because there's this like, it's been a theme of the season. Uh, it's an episode one about being, you know, he's like, I'm, I'll be a fresh modern take like uh, if Queen Victoria had have like abdicated for a person, he could have been like 
on the throne for much longer than he ended up being and he ushered in like change like how are you finding uh this like this battle between like elizabeth and and charles yeah i I think it's interesting because compared to in season four i think they spent more time highlighting how he was feeling very like overshadowed by diana where everyone was like she's the one who's charismatic she's the one who's fun she's the one who's in touch with the people and you're so out of touch and stuffy and all this stuff um versus this one is it's an interesting pivot in this episode especially where they're juxtaposing him against the queen being like sure maybe he's not as fun and charismatic as diana but he's still an improvement potentially on the uh policies and the opinions of elizabeth currently like for example Gracie alluded to the moment where they're saying like he wants to be animate when the crown is inanimate and they're like well you know people are really responding to him saying maybe we should bring in people from other religions and she's like what <laughs> like that's not our job. <laughs> like, this is outrageous <laughs> so yeah I don't know I think it's been an interesting way of reframing Charles or I do think he's definitely more sympathetic than he was last season definitely again I see the line that you're both having to walk of being like yes they've done bad things they've done so many very bad things but also they are doing a good job of making him much more sympathetic in this episode in particular. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, to the, the interview response he has about like, why are we just the defender of like Christian faith? Like what about mm-hmm. Jews and Sikhs and, you know, all of these other religious groups on like on TV. It's like, yeah, I just, I wish we actually got the shot of, I think we get uh, um, a Diana watching it. Do we get Philip watching it? <laughs> like, oh no. Uh, after like literally two episodes ago, she's like, uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to go sit with that Egyptian guy. I think, I think I'm okay. I think I'm fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, the fact that Charles like says it in this like TV interview documentary, um, like in the early nineties, uh, feels feels pretty wild. I don't know that mm-hmm. uh, as king, he's really like been trying to yeah. pull in all the other. I was just other- thinking. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, wow, but is this happening? Like Charles is king right now. Like what? But the, the, here's, yeah. the, here's the thing that's so hard, and like maybe it is being naive because he's not the sovereign. I mean, once upon a time, Elizabeth also. I mean, she's always been like a more muted person, and she's like more happy to go along with things. But she also had hopes of like, no, it's fine. Like again, like I'll let Margaret marry Peter Townsend, and she had like a rude awakening of like how kind of harsh the system was. Like I think when Charles became king, it was probably like all those ideals you had. Like, yet you can't just not have. It's not like the sovereign's choice of whether you're going to do this. It's not like you're a politician who decides which way you're going to go. Like the system molds you. You don't mold the system. So it's a little bit kind of naive I think for him to be like I, w- I would do this if I were king like no you wouldn't you know like you think you think that just because you're not the sovereign and you don't understand just like how stifling that title would be so it's easy to be like free and bold now again I don't think these things should be so bold but free and bold when you're not in the position where it's going to get stamped out of you like it would be to probably any monarch but I think that's what's so hard about this is that like I really do think the queen is technically correct in like her interpretation of the crown. Like that's what we've always known of it. It's kind of like, for me, as like an Orthodox Jew. I could say, I wish like Orthodox Judaism could become more progressive and we could like, in, you know, put these, like have better like gender equality as an example. And I would actually technically be wrong. That is not the point of, of like these old school institutions that in, in like a matter of like tradition want to stay at what they've been it might be technically right of what we know of society now it might even be morally right but it's not right in and of itself within that system so like I agree with Elizabeth when she says that's not what the crown is in terms of bringing in other faiths obviously that's an ideal to strive for but that's not what the crown's going to do so she like makes it makes sense for herself which is like but as a symbol we unite everyone not even you know even though unfortunately a lot of people get left out of that unity so it's a hard one. I think it's a very interesting overarching theme, which we're currently getting for the season, which is about 
this kind of power struggle and this like tug of war between how far you can progress with something like this because I think what we'll find is like you can't really progress with it yeah because I think you know I don't know how interested the show is in like exploring again whether like the the monarchy should exist or or not um but what uh, uh elizabeth says about charles wanting to be more animate is just there's a risk in doing that um you you can end up undoing more than doing um which you know as as they're like you know you know the monarchy as it's as it is even in the 90s they are like beholden to government and like you know in in many ways right like they have to get like spending even you know the whole margaret thing as we talked about last episode is the reason why like elizabeth like kind of leads margaret on is because like government officials lead her on right it's like well she has to wait till she's of age and then when she's of age like well actually she still has to ask permission and we're gonna say no so you have to go back and say no she can't marry right without like pushing it right like she's she the risk is like you have to push government and and, and public and then affect public perception that's all what episode one is about as well if he's like yeah we're in a recession like how is it gonna look that we have a monarchy who needs their yacht fixed when we're in a recession and people are like unemployed. Right. Um, and so, yeah, by be like, I, I think you're, you're right that like by being, you know, attached to this, 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 like the system of, of uh, what does she say? Like uh, there's as many functions uh, that are inanimate, right. Like or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, many essentially of the functions that, of an inanimate object. Many of the functions of an inanimate object. That's right. That if you, yeah, start to change and that, that it can change. It's like, well, if you can change on that thing, how can you can't change on the rest of these things? You know, it's like, yeah, if you can change on gender, how, you know, can you change on sexuality? Can you change on, you know, this, you know, all of these other things that start to like uh, force it, which like, yeah, is inherently a good thing. But if you are a beneficiary, which she says last episode, she, she benefits the most from the system of getting to live. Your family gets to live in a castle just because of who you were born. Then like, yeah, don't you want to, <laughs> you want to keep that? It sounds like you want to keep that. You want to change much. I don't think Lindsay. Yeah, no, I mean, that's like, the whole basis of all of the uh, anti-racism stuff that we're all hopefully working on improving of like when you are benefiting from white supremacy, you are not super incentivized to change the structures that are helping right. you. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing here, right? She's so privileged by the system and her whole family is so privileged by the system. So this, that's why I, I think back to your point, Grace, about like, oh, I'll change it from the inside. It's like, okay, well, but like, you're pretty, it's really benefiting you <laughs> from being on the inside. Like, how much are you really um, going to do? You might have to give up yeah. your castle. Mm. I also think it's a scandal of it all. I mean, they've been like such a scandalous family recently with all the divorces and everything. And now it's like even being progressive enough to say what I think most people in the 90s would agree with, you know, like let's let's like have like all outdated gender rules go away. Like let's help people with our enormous wealth. Like people would probably agree mm -hmm. with that. And even that, it's like that would be such a scandal. And there probably are like extremely conservative royalists who would say like how how dare you know they change the institution and would be scandalized by that but i guess if you're going to talk to that group and really like try to appeal to that group it's something that we at least wouldn't agree with so it, so but it would be hard because i think as well as we see they are beholden to these other institutions as you're saying these government institutions and the church i think that's like been a really big part and that's why it's so in interesting that he brings up faith like we talked grace last episode about how the queen kind of seeks out religious counsel instead of like the therapy that she so desperately needs but it's not even <laughs> just the fact that she's like going to a religious leader it's the fact that the religious leader like she she again is like head of the church and also like head of state and there's like the fact that the church is so like invested in this royal institution and then that has political ties and that ties it all together so it becomes scandalous when he says let's include other religions because it's this kind of political thing as well, even though, right. again, it should just be pure and right. 
So he said a lot of interesting things. I'm interested to get your take on the documentary because, again, that's, I think, meant to be, like, the crescendo of the episode. Um, and I know it got, like, a, a big stir in actual society at the time that he, like, in a similar way to Elizabeth's last episode, is like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, like, reclaim my narrative and I'm going to be super transparent. And I'm, like, it, less, like, apologetic maybe than Elizabeth. Like, I don't think he was like, sorry, Diana, that wasn't cool. It's more like, let me offer this explanation. But he does say, like, the royal family is fallible as an heir to the throne who's meant to be godlike and as the queen mother would say like you're not meant to show that you're not these like perfect ideals so do you think that that hit like in seeing like him make those comments and that being like as scandalous as it was was that like a good enough crescendo for the episode for you uh i think the document you know i again this is like part of the thing of the show where oftentimes they like i feel like they they want to make sure that they hit like the the moments that happened in real life um and so they tie the documentary and i think it makes sense uh uh to have it like a few i i, I do think the timing of the season is a little has been a little bit uh funky but that's uh fine again like i'm we've only watched i we two of us have only watched half of half of this so whether it like sort of like works together in unison um uh we'll see um but i i I, I think like the documentary is, uh, you know, this example of like that, like Charles is a very complicated figure that he is, that he, um, he, he's stuck in the, like he was stuck in the, so he admits to adultery, right? He admits, uh, that he cheated in the documentary. I think, Shocking for the first news. Time. No one Shocking would have news. got that from the extremely cringe league tape. That was just friends. That was a friend conversation that all of yeah. us have with our friends. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so I think it works cause it's like, it's him. And also the idea of like him, I know this like becomes a thing but he's he's trying to do something that like feels modern right and he's trying to let people in like part of the thing is that he i mean similar to diana who feels like she feels like an outsider that like you know people don't love her i think he feels very similarly that like if you look at the end of the episode it's like Anne sitting with everybody else in their family i guess like not andrew and edward um but it's the <laughs> queen mother it's margaret philip and elizabeth and like Charles is not welcome to come have like <laughs> after dinner tea or whatever. Um, like he is, he is an outsider. And so he, he like, if he can't get the validation from his family, then he wants it from the general public. Right. Um, which I don't know, like in the history of like, you know, where we are now, it like, it worked necessarily. Like there's a lot of like, yeah, I think when Elizabeth dies, I don't know that like some people are going to stick around the Commonwealth for King Charles, but I think the documentary, <laughs> I think the documentary uh, a thing works here in terms of like him thinking it'll be something that will like, uh, be able to to break through. People will be able to get to know him. Yeah. What do you think, Lindsay? Yeah, I think a couple things about that. So one, I completely agree of like, I had this a bit conflated in my head where I couldn't remember if the revenge dress thing was tied to the tapes or to the interview. And I was like, I know it's one of them. It's like when she finds out, when he officially confirms that he's been having an affair. And I guess in my mind, I was like, I mean, it feels like pretty official conversation confirmation to have your transcripts leaked where you're talking about having sex with someone else. But um, it was definitely after the interview part. So yeah, I don't really get why that was considered so shocking, given that they had just found out for sure. Mm. Um, but the other thing I think is interesting and it's touched on very lightly is he talks to Anne and says, I'm going to publish this book about like climate and architecture and education and all the things yeah. I think are important. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that book by all accounts is like impossibly boring. Oh, really? <laughs> like a, a very dull, <laughs> very dull read that people. You want to read it? You want to read it, Shannon? It we'll do a book club episode. Fascinating. Book club. Yeah. Yeah. Charles's thoughts on <laughs> 
and oh, I think I like inevitable sure. yeah, yeah. I, I, I think there's it. like inevitable comparisons to be made right where the Diana tapes are still massively published and yeah. read yeah. and mm. people are still you know reading that book and and it's kind of the same idea where Charles in the last season was like she doesn't care about architecture or like right. plays right. and stuff and, and right. like, these are the things that are so important to him that he's like I need to publish a book that was what people were super interested in I am sure mm-hmm. we got really distracted by all this adultery stuff it's like no that's what people were interested in for sure yeah how dare Charles, they how Charles they and care Anne... about all this interesting adultery stuff when they yeah. talking about architecture <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Charles and Anne can't even really agree on like how much people are interested in because she's like I think they're less interested than you think and he's like yeah but more than you think which is like this <laughs> like, could be any number of people uh i think uh also i feel like we're not giving charles enough credit he he does at the end of this episode actually he does solve racism through breakdancing and <laughs> I feel, he actually yeah, break right? dance yeah in 1985 i saw the clip i watched yeah. it yeah yeah he He's actually so was doing breakdancing and he and that was the end of racism in england so it's pretty cool <laughs> that he did that. <laughs> he honestly i feel like the breakdancing was more embarrassing than the tape oh yeah, I, I mean absolutely I agree <laughs> Yeah, he did that like knowingly in public, and that's obviously worse. I mean, look, yeah. he's the only member of the royal family who's breakdancing. Give me another who, who, okay, other than Charles, who is in his own way like so cringe. Who do we think is more most likely from the royal family to breakdance? Margaret, uh, probably. That's a good from good the, pick, from who's in the show right now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. Margaret. Uh, no, definitely Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Like, absolutely Andrew, right? In his own cringe way. (laughs) Yeah, he's going to break dance, yeah. I think it was so interesting as well in terms of the documentary in that, like, so he comes and he says that, you know, the royal family aren't perfect. But I kind of feel like he was just saying, like, did he really believe that? Like, I think he was saying, stop judging me to these like impossible standards i'm so tired whereas like i think in comparison to like the queen giving a kind of similar or like a similarly toned speech last time when she was like sorry we're not perfect i feel like she actually embraced that more again like she seemed like actively apologetic to margaret she was seeing like her actual fault where i feel that like charles isn't really sorry i don't think for what he's done to diana he's not gonna like be like wow i've really made mistakes and treat her better i think he just wants to come out and be transparent and ask for a little bit more sympathy, even maybe more than forgiveness, like just a little bit more grace without like really seeing like, <laughs> yeah, not, not this grace, but in terms of like grace. Um, so I, so I like, tilted my head uh, yeah. sufficiently enough for Shannon to catch yeah. it. Yeah. Um, rather than seeing like his part to play necessarily in like what he's done wrong. Cause it could have been a very different speech if he came out in this, in the documentary and was like, I've, you know, really done the wrong thing he's like yeah the marriage broke down and we tried and like this inevitably happened but there wasn't like but I still shouldn't have and I am very apologetic and like Diana didn't deserve it because that's not what he believes you know like he's not at that point of humility yet that like even to the queen got to last episode yeah I mean so a couple of things like first of all you don't like you aren't like the like God's cho- again I think I said this before you're, you're you're not like God's chosen like uh, a representative on earth without feeling like you get a little bit of an ego mm. and like <laughs> feel like you might need to protect your image a little bit and so I do feel like and then my other point was going to be that it takes Elizabeth basically like until 1992 to be like hey I'm sorry that this has actually affected everybody else as well like I'm really mm. I'm actually yeah publicly very sorry about that and so i can't exactly have charles like yeah. I, you know because i think rightfully so like he's very mad at his parents um i think uh more than anybody and then he's taking out all of that anger on uh he takes a lot of it out on diana as well of like like if you would just be fine and just like adore me and love me and just like be by myself and do whatever i want then like and abdicate really. or die and I, either way yeah and then his mom, yeah, just abdicate yeah 
or die, <laughs> you know, and, but he's not willing to then be like to, to actually own up to anything that he's done wrong yet because also he's like, he sees that he like, you know, he thinks that at any moment he can become king and he can't like be, you know, he has to like, he's, he's kind of, I feel like he sees himself as like, I don't think he sees himself as perfect. Uh, but I definitely don't think he sees it. Like, I think he feels like he's a victim a lot, which like mm. is fair. There are ways in which he is a victim. Uh, uh, absolutely. There are other ways where he's like not the victim, you know? Um, so yes, yeah, so he's a very complicated individual figure. Yeah, I think he's definitely like, I was married to a very hysterical woman and yeah. you have no idea what that was like for me. And she was so mopey all the time. She <laughs> it's like, she yeah, she's like shopping so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, uh, mentioned Philip a little bit before. I do. Mm-hmm, it's pretty mm-hmm. wild that Philip essentially says to his son, "Like, uh, what's the motto of of, of the Welsh?" Is <laughs> like death before decide. Like, he goes to say. Actually, I will say he does speak Welsh in this episode. I'm Not probably, in English. Did, yeah, and he's like, "Come on, in English." And he says that and he's like, "Yeah, death before dishonor. You should you should have died before you." Uh, if, a lot before of that why would you die in this family? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they all just are like, it would be much easier if if all of you were dead. All like, all of them think about it. <laughs> yeah, so it'd be much less complicated yeah 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 i mean the philip charles dynamic was probably my favorite dynamic to come out of this episode because let's be honest they're very similar people more similar similar. than than either one of them would like to admit it's the fact that charles is like oh his sycophants were you know all nodding but like at the very beginning you see that charles sort of has his group of like groupies who are obsessed with him and who just tell him what he wants to hear it's the fact that the whole first two seasons is philip trying to make the monarchy more progressive um, and fighting with Elizabeth about it and really pushing that at the time, which might have seemed radical at the time. And he's still trying to do that. It's just that, like, his feelings of progressiveness are now, like, extremely outdated. But he was doing that, too. He was also fighting for being progressive way back when. There's so many things that make them extremely similar. The fact that uh, Philip tried to make a documentary to reclaim the narrative of the royal family and then Charles oh, yeah. does That's the exact true. same thing. Like, they're, yeah, again, more similar than they'd like to admit. But then... Philip doesn't come off well in this episode again, like in how outdated he is by being so mad at his son who's basically had a crime committed against him. And there's no sympathy there at all. It's literally like, I would have preferred your death over this in, in so many words. So I thought that um, this was a very interesting dynamic. I also think it's like Philip coming to Elizabeth's aid because Elizabeth, as we said, had a more muted reaction. Like she, she gives her opinion to the prime minister at the end of the episode but but she is like maybe he's right you know she we've seen how insecure she is about being too old school and like so past her time and people are saying that that may be true so she's considering it and she never lashes out back at charles so philip is put in the mold of i think like defending as he has been for the last few seasons defending the institution the crown and elizabeth like and the sovereign in this way that she doesn't feel as strongly about or is more doubtful about in and of herself so he comes out harsh and that's the way he always treats Charles but I think that we're meant to see him I think is very wrong in this and like the sympathy goes to Charles again we've really not we've really put the pause also on anything to do with Philip and and Lady uh Lady Romsey uh it's mm-hmm. been really I really thought that that was going to be like a whole thing it's really not I mean I guess it's the like the for one and a half I guess the second episode kind of back into like the crown stuff uh uh but yeah but like also don't you like that's another similarity i feel with philip like death before dishonor like yeah philip's never done anything that could have possibly been leaked and dishonored <laughs> the crown like there are tapes somewhere that someone didn't find there's a back of, of his philip. head back of yeah. his head in a newspaper <laughs> literally, yeah. literally that's what I'm like. like it's not even the stuff that we didn't find out about it's about the humiliations that actually also happened like 
there is amnesia for the first two seasons from all the Philips since. Like, and he does try to gloss over it. There are very funny moments where Elizabeth will kind of make a joke about it. He's like, oh, what nonsense you talk about. And he like wants to forget that part of himself as if, again, he wasn't the progressive cheater. Who, mm-hmm. like, literally, like Charles, of all people, should be able to turn to Philip and be like, dad, what's it like to humiliate the crown? What's it like to be caught in these tricky situations? What is, what's it like to have rumors about you? What's it like to be fighting for a monarchy when no one understands you and like fighting for that being progressive? Like, they're the same and Philip has just never extended that hat and both of them would cry out that they are not similar but there are just so many similarities between them do you know what's really interesting though that uh uh um Philip had a a charity that's like devoted to to youth uh as well um uh, the Duke of of Edinburgh Edinburgh. uh, (laughs) yeah international a lot of people at my school did the Duke of Edinburgh yeah okay because we're all from the Commonwealth (laughs) I know. That's how I found out what the Duke of Edinburgh was before I even knew about Prince Philip. I know. <laughs> was you know this is so silly, but like, there's so many things in Canada where, like, uh, I my office, like, a few years ago, it's like Princess Margaret, and it's like, it's like, oh yeah, that is that's like Princess Margaret. That's like Princess Margaret, uh-huh. Princess Margaret Foundation. <laughs> yeah, that makes it. Um, there's a lot of like hospital stuff that are like Princess Anne. Like, there's a lot of stuff around it that's like, yeah, all just like named after. Uh, many uh, yeah, Prince the Duke of Wales of, roads. Yeah, Prince of Wales. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah the Duke of Edinburgh hospital. Yeah. I will say the Duke of Edinburgh Award does seem like I feel like my of it is just like go and do things, go out, go and do things, which I think is like different than like, they hike and I think yeah, yeah, I it's like it's, go yeah, and do outdoor act, friend, go and do outdoor yeah. activities and like push yourself uh, personally, which is yeah. like I think different than like uh, mm. uh, Charles being like you maybe help like underprivileged kids. Like I feel like some of my experience with the Duke of Edinburgh Award is like very privileged kids like doing things 100%. that they were going to do. Yeah, that's, yeah, so, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I remember seeing that, it. That's, and it, that's, that's like, probably a good metaphor. Like they both are trying to help kids. Mm-hmm. They're trying to help, like trying to help in their own way. That's quite progressive. But like Philip's version of being progressive is like helping very privileged kids. Like, like that's, pull up your boots. <laughs> like if you just pull up your bootstraps, like you'll be fine. Yeah. And realizing that like pull up your bootstraps is a a paradox that you can't actually do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's all just about like getting a hobby just for all yeah, of these young yeah. people, right? Like, oh yeah. That's, well, which is like he goes, he in the earlier, like he's like uh, a lot of this, I, there is a lot of stuff about him trying to be progressive, but a lot of the problems that he has is he's just like, I'm bored. And he's like, I'm yeah. like a fly <laughs> plane, please. <laughs> he goes to Mm-hmm. yeah um yeah um anything else from the episode did we miss anything what did we not chat chat about yeah i don't uh no. the only line i have highlighted that we didn't touch on is Anne saying that the conversation was too gynecological for her yes taste. that's right Anne, <laughs> Anne so. great. very funny yeah yeah uh a very strong episode, I thought. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the last episode is st- st- stronger. I think I really like the first yeah, episode I, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, where do you, do you ever do you, like? Do you put the do? You, are we ranking them as we're going? Hmm, interesting. Um, Lindsay, I uh, probably yeah. yeah. No, I'm ranking Chad. them, but I could, I could start ranking them. Yeah, well, where do where do you put this like so far? I think I I enjoyed episode four a lot more. Episode four is my favorite of the season, and I think that it's some of that structural stuff. Like I feel like episode four had all of these things that happened, these like weirdly aligned things again, like Queen's life and castle are on fire. Let's kind of put that into these interesting structures. I think they had interesting callbacks. And I think that was just packaged a little better. Whereas I felt like this episode was a little bit more led by the story. Like all these major things do happen and it just kind of tells that story rather than like, I feel like making it a more packaged narrative for the episode, if that makes sense. Like I feel like, Last episode was leading the story. And in this episode, the story was leading the episode, if that makes more sense. But they need yeah. to do it. I mean, we've taken some time off. We've had like these singular focuses and there's a lot of ground to cover. And this episode, like it really traverses a lot of that ground. So I think that it was more to me 
a means to an end. Like there was very interesting stuff. I'm glad we got so much of Charles as well and had that focus on what's going to be such an important character. But I think for me, it's it was a simmer and it's this is going to explode. Diana's going to come back. And like this is the, the things that we see moving to that point, but we haven't gotten quite to the destination yet. So I see it as a bit of like a, uh, a like a transit episode, if that makes sense, to kind of get us where we need to be probably in the next couple of episodes. I think I liked episode one the most just because it's the most about as many different people as possible. And it's very Elizabeth focused, which I think I also like a lot. Uh, I, th- I, th- I think I, I really like actually the Diana half of episode two, um, like uh, hmm. like her her uh, recording the tapes um, and the confession. I really like that stuff. I don't I don't love the Philip is going to be a carriage driver with Lady Rossi as, as much <laughs> as like uh, Diana. Um, so I think I like episode one the most because it's like the most about uh, everybody uh, in a way. And, the, and this I think is very strong because it's a Philip, um, sorry, a Charles uh, episode as well. And we haven't really seen him much this season. Uh, Lindsay, uh, I mean, you've watched uh, it all. Has your favorite, have we, have we covered your favorite episode yet? Oh man. Okay. Let me look real quick and see. Yeah. Don't spoil, but I just think yes or no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't, yeah, don't no, spoil I, if Mohammed comes back. We have a bet riding on that. So that's <laughs> and don't tell us yeah. if Diana dies. And yeah. I don't mean that. I meant that as like not in the season. In the, in the just, season. Yeah. I was just <laughs> trying to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. yeah no. Um, I think there are stronger episodes ahead, oh, but nice. I do really like episode four i think i agree with what you were saying too grace about the like the diana half of when she's recording the tapes in episode two i thought that was all extremely strong to start off the season so i think i agree i really like when we're getting more characters involved and we're getting to see what everybody's up to and checking in with all these characters that we've become so familiar with and shannon i think that's a great point of like letting the story drive the episode i think those ones do tend to be a little bit weaker where it's like oh how are we going to work this like tampon story into the plot <laughs> like that yeah. felt necessary so it just feels a bit more forced maybe and not as good so i definitely think maybe episode four is probably my favorite that you covered so far there's definitely a, like an air of like they got to the writer's room and were like, all right, it's historically time for tampon gate. Let's exactly. just get that over with. Like, let's see. And like, we have to use that as like a focus on Charles and Camilla. Um, but like, do we really want to like make this more artful or do we just want to show them having the conversation and then you all have your own opinions on it? Like, no, I, I think mm-hmm. that they're, they're with other than the story being led or well, leading the episode, I think that it's Charles, like it's all around Charles's interactions with, his relationship with Philip, his relationship with Anne, even his like power struggle with the queen, his relationship with Camilla and even Diana in the way that she's silent. Yeah. Like does Charles ever listen to Diana talk? Like maybe that's the that's, central that's narrative what they're telling, yeah. of this episode. Yeah. Like maybe that's what it is. It's like Charles reacting to how everyone reacts to him because he's the center of this episode. And that would make a lot of sense of why Diana is kind of silent because that's, that's where, where she is in Charles's life right now. So I think that, that maybe it's unfair to say it's just story-based. I think it's also just kind of character focus on Charles being the anchor and we see how mm-hmm. those other relationships kind of manifest from that. They've done like, you know, even to take a Charles episode, like they take like him going and studying Welsh and like make a masterpiece of, of that whole thing, mm. you know, in a way that like is such a like beautiful, even singular episode of, of tv like we haven't really talked like in our favorite stuff like i do really like mumu it's just like the it's like such an outlier of of the rest of the episodes that we've um we've seen so far but it's a really like incredible piece of television you know it's like a singular hour uh, of tv um so I, I feel like they've done 
better even just specifically with Charles in terms of like, let's mm. take a historical moment and how do we weave that into the story that we're telling? Even sometimes to the expense, like I was reading something uh, about like the Anus Horribilis speech that like, yeah, there's nothing in there about like being uh, like apologizing to her family. It's just like, oh, this is what a bad year for us, the monarchs. And so the show <laughs> takes it as like, sorry, Margaret, like, oops, like mm. uh, I'm really Fair sorry works. for the way. I know, but it, it does work and I don't, I don't mind it. And this is like, again, None of us are like watching the show being like, well, that's history, you know? Like, like <laughs> I am. <laughs> but like, also, I love the callback to Welsh. Like, I, I wanted to yeah, say that too. as well. Like, the fact yeah, that he, really. and, and then Philip gets so angry at it, it's such a great encapsulation of Charles as an outsider. And like, there's again, like this big break where he was just like berated by the queen after he like did that speech. And it's like, this is how you'll always be like external to us and also lean into it. Like, why would Charles say that in Welsh? Is that is that what Philip was asking for? Like, clearly not, but it's like always going to be the well, divide between them. What's the mo the motto is would be presumably it would be in Welsh. So he's well, saying the motto. Philip doesn't speak yeah. Welsh, you know, like Philip wants you to say it in a language he understands. You're the person the proponent of English earlier in this episode. That was kind of half of the problem. <laughs> I know. So I know. speak speak English. But it, and that's a funny thing as well. None of them communicate English. well with each other. Yeah, they well they yeah. communicate terribly for you know so so much of a you yeah. know emphasis on language. But I think that is they they do that very well, not Welsh, but well in terms of like where does Charles <laughs> sit in being progressive when a lot of it is like these damn kids don't know how to speak English anymore. Like a lot of it is very old school and just mm -hmm. like, you know, like especially compared to Diana. But I think I think they've done a really good job of positioning like where he would sit in that, which is like, again, yeah, like pretty progressive, but like probably not progressive even <laughs> enough as, as we would see it. Also, Charles gives the insult of the episode in which he's talking about the way ahead grip and he goes more like the lagging behind grip. <laughs> <laughs> oh nailed it charles what a what a oh he's great what a great king we have that we all love yeah god save the, king. the face yeah. all right i think that's our episode five coverage so we had Lindsay. thank you so much for joining us this was so wonderful thank you so much for letting me come on i was delightful chatting with you both and so much fun talking about the show um Lindsay, if people want to hear more from you what else, where can they find you and, and what are you up to Yes, they can hear more from me over on BoJack HorsePod, where we have finished BoJack Horseman and are now on to Too Good Birdie, and also over on the podcast of tomorrow talking about Futurama. Amazing. Shannon, what about you? I'm at Shannon Gates, still on Twitter, TBD, on, on every, that every single Every time. episode that comes out, we're like teetering, yeah, on the edge, yeah. <laughs> yeah, still just covering Survivor this week. I'm on the feedback show with Rob, Very fun. so that's on the main feed for Survivor. And yeah, otherwise, loving loving covering The Crown. So much fun to dive into, like, narrative choices and stuff. It's very fun. Very different from an edit. Um as we said, even though they have purple band at different times, but yeah, it's really fun to be like, why, why would, why would, why would Diana not speak? Why would Diana be so purple? This was like a, yeah, very purple episode for Diana, but she saw an impact. Sometimes they say it's not as much as what you say, but the show is so good. This is two episodes in a row. Where we try to do plugs and we keep talking about the show. Uh, Cause I agree. <laughs> I love that. The more and I like come Diana. out of the episode. Yeah. It's always Diana stuff. I do love the choice to like, kind of not have, like, I think it's very bold because it's like, she's kind of like, I feel like is a bit I of hate her. Yeah, but also, oh. like, I think people are, like, you know, it's I think it's, like, like, you know, season five, okay, like, you, you really get into the Diana stuff. There's a whole episode totally. where, like, she's not really in it. I think that's, like, a bold uh, choice from Very the director. And, like, I wonder if if Peter Morgan wrote it that way or the director, Mile 2K, like, whether he directed it that way. I think it's very interesting. Mm. So, yeah. 
Anyway, back to plugs. <laughs> Sorry. It's always no, me. I, I don't apologize. Plug. Every time no. it's just Survivor and this. That's it. Well, and then I also want to talk about Diana. So. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. This is your plugs. Uh, yeah. I'm covering 1899, another Netflix show uh, with Ariel and Rich. Uh, also, I actually think that might be my only strip to show other than The Crown. Oh, no. Pusher Camps Theater. Uh, movies each week uh, uh, with Ariel. And then over on Robinson Podcast. Actually, we just uh, released a few days ago um, the like a role called confessionals which is sort of the edited version of the board game so if you want to watch the full board game you want to watch us roll every single dice you can come and do that on the twitch and youtube channels but a few weeks later we're going to release these things called roll call confessionals where people have filmed confessionals and it's like edited together like an episode of tv so uh it's very fun the the wonderful phil t edited this one uh for us and put it together uh rob is hysterical unsurprisingly hot take rob is very funny and good at doing uh (laughs) confessionals for reality (laughs) for a reality show um but you can check out that version of clue it was very very good and i think it's well worth checking out so uh yeah go go check that out and then we announced that we're going to play spy paul on november 29th so i'm very excited about that and the crew we have put together i'm on twitter at hi from grace as long as twitter is still a thing we'll be back in a few <laughs> days time to chat about uh, episode six until then bye-bye <laughs>